Welcome to Dark Mode, the podcast that brings you sage advice from two technology experts. And that's not just what we call ourselves, it's what our moms tell people when the technology works correctly. I'm your host, Luke Miani. And I'm your host, Noah Rubin. On this show, we take questions from listeners, attempt to answer them to varying degrees of success, and maybe even have a laugh or two along the way. And maybe even forget to silence our Apple Watch. Maybe. Just maybe. Just maybe. So, the reason we are, are kind of feeling goofy right now, kind of laughing, is because our rage has boiled over into humor. And if you're watching along with us right now, then you probably already know why. If you're listening along at home, then, frankly, this doesn't affect you. So, you're just going to have to endure our rant for a little bit. Xfinity is... Is, is a scourge on this earth. I would be inclined to agree. A scourge. Now, Noah and I are both from Philadelphia, mm-hmm. which means that we've had to endure the Comcast Tower being the tallest building in our skyline. And now there's even another, even more tall Comcast building next to it. Mm. So now the top two buildings in our wonderful city are Comcast buildings. No good. Comcast is an evil, vile company, and their their one goal is to charge you as much money as possible for as little internet as possible. And to buy up all the networks. <laughs> buy up like all the TV stuff. Yeah. But we're focused on their on their internet garbage now this is perhaps a little ironic because i'm now looking at our stream and it the quality has improved greatly no it actually it actually makes sense because in the pre-show was when we discovered that the quality was it was like literally 144p quality in the pre-show that's even generous oh fair enough but it was incredibly low quality and i i think that what happened was when we started talking about how we were going to bash comcast xfinity on the stream they were listening in as they always do and they decided to kick us a little extra bandwidth so that we would look like we're crazy we'd look like fools exactly and it's working look someone has already said stop ranting it's good now what about the time two days ago where i literally couldn't even load twitter.com on my computer because our gigabit internet was that slow gigabit we i pay for gigabit internet here i just ran right before we went live i ran a little test do you know what our download speed is right now now i'm on the five gigahertz wi-fi obviously when you're over wi-fi you're not really expecting to get up to the full speed that you're rated for now could you make the argument that it's false advertising to sell someone a plan that they're never realistically going to achieve. I might say so, but for legal reasons, I'm not. <laughs> but if you were to think that, not being led to that conclusion by me, I couldn't blame you for being led to that conclusion. Mm-hmm. However, while it could be understandable or perhaps acceptable, not acceptable, actually, no, I take that back. <laughs> well, it could be conceivable that you would pay for gigabit and get a lower speed over Wi-Fi, even though it might be kind of shady. I'll say that. As m- I'll, 
Or, as if I'm being perfectly honest, despicable, dastardly, and evil is another word. What would you normally expect? 500 megs? 600? Would you be, uh, would you be happy if, if, if Apple sold you a MacBook and only gave you 60% of that MacBook? That says maybe. But you know what I got? We, we paid for 1,000 megabits per second. I got 36. And that was 36. With, that was with Comcast's own speed test. Yeah, which, which one could assume is probably a favorable test. Yes. They're certainly not going to. So that is what? 3% of what we pay for? Yeah. Yeah, I mean 3.6%. 3.6%. So by that logic, then I guess I should only owe them about $3 for this month. Right, Xfinity? Prove me wrong. Huh? And, and our upload speed, which explains why the stream was so bad, 4.7 megabits per second. What? That is, that is uh, basically unusable, as we saw. We, we, I mean, I'm, I'm, I bet you we sounded like the audio was probably suffering, too, at that point. Yeah, true. We probably sounded a little fish tank status, you know? I can't believe that. Xfinity is garbage. I still have I granted uh, it's a little bit on me, but when we start our internet plan, they sent over like the little streaming box. <laughs> and they were like, "Oh, it's included in the plan." And then they just sent two. And I mean, to be fair, it was like a little bit of a hassle to return it. I definitely could have. Mm -hmm. But it was really stupid that they just send you two and then, "Oh, whoops." Well, it's okay. You can just get a box and print a return label and take it to the UPS store and, like, do that whole thing. They definitely weren't just banking on the fact that we would forget. Definitely yeah, I not. don't know why they sent you two, but, like, because one, cause one is included. It's the Xfinity Flex thing, and one of them is included. How like, generous. Honestly, whatever. It's a 4K streaming box. It has all those streaming services on it. It's a nice little thing. You don't Collects use it. Collects lots of data. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, you don't use either of them here. I have one in my apartment that I don't use either because I have my Apple TV. Yeah. So they're basically useless. And I think you return them, us. so you're not even, like, owning oh, yeah, you don't, them. You don't keep them. You return them you're when just you're – renting it. Yeah. You're renting it for free, although in Luke's case, he was sent two. I'm renting one for free, and I'm renting one for rent. Yeah. Yes. Ugh. My goodness. It's absolutely terrible. And someone's saying stream on an iPhone. I don't think they've really grasped what uh, the problem is. Maybe they mean stream using your data plan, which is also expensive. Yeah, like I don't think I don't think that there's any way that you could unpack that where it would make sense. Yeah. But anyway, that's enough of our rant. Actually, no, it's not. Well, there was one other thing that I wanted to say. I can't remember what it was. I want to say back in December, why at during like like right before my finals week for my last finals, my, the Xfinity internet in my home was out, and I had to miss some classes because I couldn't get on them, and I had to drive to a local uh, shopping center uh -huh. at like one or two a.m. to upload a YouTube video, 
I remember that. That was yeah. the that was the uh, one of the Apple Silicon videos, right? Yeah. The second one. Yeah, it was one of the Apple Silicon videos. I couldn't upload it at home, but I wanted it to go live. I think it was like going with one of your videos or something. So I had to go drive. It was the winter time. It was very cold, and I sat in my car for like at least a half an hour and and uh, using the Wi-Fi hotspot at some shopping center, and Good I waited grief. for the video to upload. <sighs> That's awful. And and Xfinity is implementing a, like a data plan. Oh yeah, the, the what data the caps. heck is that? Data cap on internet? Are you serious? That is like that. Oh my god, that's so evil. And they say like, oh, it's a high cap. I don't remember what it was. I can look that up here. I feel like it was like a terabyte, which honestly isn't that much. Yeah, when it's home internet and you have a lot of devices on that network. You're doing a lot of streaming. Like, it's not inconceivable that you're going to get that high. 1.2 terabytes of data. Yeah. For the first time. Wow, holy moly. That's really not good. So for the first time they exceed the limit, they will not be billed. After that, blocks of 50 gigabytes will be added for an additional fee of $10 per 50 gigabytes up to 100 extra dollars a month. What kind of a cash grab monopolistic BS is that? Like, are you serious? 1.2 terabytes of data in a month. Now, that's a decent amount of data, but it's not that much. I mean, I can look at our... We typically use around 800 gigs, and we only are here during the day. Yeah, we don't live. Neither here. of us sleep. Like we, this is just an apartment where we do work. Right. So, granted, it does use. We do use a, de a decent amount of data, but we don't really stream TV here. That can use up a lot. Mm -hmm. I don't play video games. That uses a ton of data because mm -hmm. all of that is at home. Like we're not really pushing it here and we're almost at that cap could you imagine paying for gigabit internet and then being charged overages 1.2 terabytes is not that much data in a month yeah that's when, crazy when you're talking about gigabit speeds like when you're getting speeds that fast it means that you're well we're not when you're <laughs> let me rephrase not when you're getting it but when you're paying for speeds mm. that fast it means that you're going to be doing a lot of a lot of uh downloading and then you, they put a cap like that. It's kind of that is just silly. absolutely. Speaking of kind of silly, we have to give an update on the TikTok situation. If oh, you yes. joined us two weeks ago, not last week because we were uh, a little dumb, we forgot that it was going to be the Fourth of July, and we wanted to see the fireworks. Because I'm sorry, I love you guys, but it was it was more fun standing on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial watching fireworks over the Washington Monument. I hate to break it to you. It was – I love the frozen pizza, and I love sitting yep. here and talking into this microphone. But Great microphone. But, uh, but no, that was a pretty cool experience. It was a very cool experience. Plus, we used the little lime mopeds to go downtown. Yeah. If you guys have those in your city, definitely try them. They're fun. They're really fun. They're electric, which is great because I – I don't like gas-powered motorcycle things. It seems scary. Yeah, and I agree. Not good for the environment. Even though they're like actually pretty fuel efficient, it's just like 
Uh, I don't like. I it. like the electric. Yeah, it's fun because you go, and there you go. You go down the road. That's what you do. And it cost us like six bucks because there were coupons. It was great. It was a it was a wonderful time. However, I was really off topic. <laughs> what we were supposed to do but didn't do last week that we're now doing this week is give an update on the TikTok situation. So if you tuned in to the last episode, someone stole uh, our video from the 100 iPhone video. And it specifically, it was us turning on the, the charger to plug in 40 iPhones. Mm-hmm. Now, that video was really pointless. <laughs> And not, frankly, all that interesting. And yet it has been stolen many, many times, both on TikTok and Instagram. Mm-hmm. I posted it originally on, on Twitter, thinking, of course, you know, I'm posting a video on my account. There you go. Job done. But no. So I got like 70,000 views on Twitter. And I was like, wow, that's, pr- that's pretty good. Yeah. And then someone ripped it without asking me without crediting me without anything put it up on tiktok 11.3 million views 11.3 and we were just kind of like how why Why? i don't understand it's not even interesting enough for that like 11 million views do you know how many months it takes me to get 11 million views a lot like five or six no, that's not right. It's somewhere between three and six, typically. Months. They did it in like 24 hours with the dumbest video. It was literally such a stupid video. We were just turning on a 40-port USB charger and then 40 different iPhones go, whoom. It's, it's kind of cool. It's cool. But, but it's far from the most interesting part of that project. Charlie... Charlie D'Amelio, she gets, like, that amount of views. Yeah. I would probably argue that – I don't know what she does, but it's probably more interesting than charging 40 iPhones. Like dancing or oh, some, never mind then. some sort of dancing. No, ours is more interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Wow, we're really starting a beef with Charlie D'Amelio. <laughs> <laughs> no, Come I'm just I don't give a crap. No. Um, yeah, no, but it was really, really funny. So immediately – after we filmed that podcast episode, I was like, screw it. I'm making a TikTok. I can't let this stand. I'll, I'll go check it now. Okay, good. I got the volume down. I don't want to have all sorts of like cross pollution. So first of all, I have to say that TikTok is busted, dude. It's busted. I literally – so I've posted – Seven videos. Okay. It's now been two weeks. Almost. That was all within like the first two days. I have not. I don't know what else to put on there. I don't know what to do on TikTok. I'm completely lost. All right. But. So the first video that I uploaded was the video. And we actually we actually had kind of planned to make a TikTok when we shot the iPhone video because we. Um. We shot all of the, like, gimmicky stuff, all of the goofs that we did. We shot in vertical video as well. So, like, when there was the, the, the alarms that went off, you saw the angle from this camera. Noah filmed vertically on my phone. 
Same thing with the Shrek running across all the iPhones. I just filmed, I had one phone in one hand, one phone in the other doing vertical and horizontal. So we had all the vertical videos perfect to go for this. So the first one that I uploaded was the alarms. That got 2,899 views. Keep in mind, brand new account. I tweeted about it, but I didn't post on YouTube. I don't even know. I, I don't even know how people found this, but I think I, th I assume that some people found it through when I tweeted it. But so that I posted, and then I posted the Rick Roll. The Rick Roll got 3,597 views. Nice. I posted our original plugging in 40 iPhones at once. That got 7,522. So even after the hype had died down, that one was still doing pretty well. Yeah. And then I duetted the 11 million view video. And I think we did a pretty good job with that. Yeah. We, we pulled out all of the phones, or 40 of the phones, and we pulled out the charger, the brain. We set it all up like we had done for the original video. And I duetted it, and I just said, wow, what a funny little video i guess we'll never know where it originally came from while panning up to the exact same setting with all the phones and noah in the <laughs> same spot yeah and that that one did very well Two hundred and forty-three thousand views nice and 388 comments fifty-one thousand likes and i i so yeah they did they did delete the video so i had dm'd i dm'd the person who who took the video and said, hey, this is my video. You didn't give me credit for it. And they initially just said, no, this is my video. This was my original idea. <laughs> and I was like, look in my bio real quick. And they, like, four minutes later, they were like, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to. I'm like, what do you mean you didn't mean to? How do you accidentally get an app that allows you to download Twitter videos or, like, screen record it or something like Twitter doesn't just have like a save to camera roll yeah. for video. I'm pretty sure, right? You I can't just so. save videos to your camera roll. I don't think so. So they definitely did some intentional. They definitely saw it and they were like, oh, man, I'm going to re-upload this on TikTok. Mm -hmm. And so then I just duetted it and then <laughs> people started really going after them in the comments section. And then they were like, why are you doing this to me? I'm like, I'm not, I'm not doing anything. I can't make them stop. And so then they eventually just deleted the video. And I was like, oopsie. <laughs> oh, no. What a shame. It's kind of sad, though, because I can't show and I can't send anyone the link and be like, look, this is my this is my worldwide debut. Yeah, because I wasn't even in the video. You yeah, were in it. I was I was, you know, I was me sitting there. 11.3 the million people saw your face. And, you know, judging by all of the all of the duets, there, there were a lot. There were a lot. Hundreds. It was the weirdest thing because I was looking at some of the, the the duets and it was just people like sitting there, straight faced, looking at the video, and they didn't do anything. It was so weird. I don't get it. I don't understand TikTok. I like I, I, in in the like first three days, because I haven't done anything since then. Four thousand four hundred and forty-two followers. Now I tweeted about this twice. You might think, oh, Luke, you're a you know, you're a decently – you have a decent amount of YouTube subscribers. I'm sure it's not that crazy. I did not post about it, I think. Maybe – did I put put a community post out? I don't think I did. 
I, you know, I tweeted about it twice. <laughs> I don't really understand. Oh my god, I forgot the iPad app. The <laughs> iPad YouTube app still doesn't allow, doesn't have the community post. Rip. I don't understand why. Why is it on iPhone but not on iPad? That's so stupid. That's anyway, weird. Right? Isn't that weird? I I'm pretty sure I didn't post about it here. So and even if I did, like at most a couple hundred people. Oh, okay, no, that's not helpful at all. I click on the YouTube link, it just goes to never mind. Whatever. I don't know. I might have posted about it, but either way, there's no way that four thousand four hundred and forty-two people. Oh, it's it might be just it. Don't scroll down very far. I don't post very often. That's already three months ago. There's no tick. Okay, so I, I, I tweeted about it twice. It had a maximum, a maximum of at most 500 people went through that link. So those other 4,000 people are just like randoms. TikTok is so ridiculous. It is, it is absolutely goofy. I'll definitely keep using it if I can think of anything to post on it. But so, yeah, that's the update on, on the TikTok situation. It was ridiculous and dumb that's that's basically all there is to it i don't know why i keep closing my ipad because it's where I, we have the show notes <laughs> and i keep closing it and then i can't see the show notes okay do we want to do this email from andrew sure i think it's a pretty good idea so so we we like getting emails from you guys keep sending them submissions at darkmodepodcast.com I almost forgot if whether we were a .com or a .something else. <laughs> I don't know why. Org. .org. The dark mode org. Dark, uh, that sounds like a, a tongue twister, kind of. Donate to the cause. <laughs> the organization. Yeah, we're actually a non-profit organization. Yes. Which, which is only true because we don't make money doing this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> actually, I think we could, but I, for whatever reason, through StreamYard, it just automatically... It just automatically does not enable monetization, so we don't make any money. Nice. Yeah. But anyway, uh, <clears throat> yes. Yeah, so we get emails. That's where this started from. Yeah. Yes. We're really we're pr good at this. <laughs> this is why we're a nonprofit organization, Noah. Yeah. Um. Anyway, we get emails from you guys sometimes. We like reading them. Se keep sending them. This one, I think, is very interesting. Would you like to read it, Noah? Sure. So this was the sort of challenge, or I think it was phrased as an exercise that, mm. we, could, that we could try out. So it says, if you were starting from scratch, how would you plan an entire Apple product and service lineup? What categories would you offer? What kinds of configurations do you think people would want? What services would you offer? You can ignore any previous naming conventions as well and just assume any confusion would disappear with this reset. Are there products you would keep or discontinue? Are there things you would resurrect in a new way? So basically, if you could take Apple as it is right now and basically remove, add, rename, change any products that exist to create what is, in your opinion, a better product lineup, you know, what would you do? That's the question. And I think it's a really good one. So honestly, what I would do is... I don't know. I feel like obviously, you know, it's a hypothetical. So we're sort of operating under a suspension of disbelief to some degree here. Right. Because there's only so much that we can 
like if you're an actual company, there's certain things that we can't factor in. But if if I were to be in charge of Apple, I think I mean I'll start with the Mac because that that seems fair. All right, all right. So what I would try to do is bring back a version of the classic Steve Jobs back at Apple late 90s grid mm-hmm. the four product grid so if you if you don't remember back when Steve jo- Steve Jobs came back to Apple in 1997 1998 the iMac came out which saved Apple pretty much the iMac was massively successful and one of the reasons that the iMac was so good was because of Steve Jobs' new idea of the 2 by 2 grid, which basically was a Punnett square. <laughs> it, was, it was like, you know, when if recessive, a dominant and recessive alleles. That's the way that you can think of it, if you remember back to biology class. So there was, there was, it was two axes. You had pro and consumer. And then you had desktop and laptop. Mm -hmm. And so the first product would be a combination of those. I can't remember the order in which I said it. But basically, you would have a desktop for pros and a desktop for consumers and a laptop for pros and a laptop for consumers. Now, do I think Apple could get away with having four products right now? Probably not. The Mac lineup is a little bit more complicated than that, but... I think you could streamline it. Maybe maybe do um, a little bit more of a sliding scale. If I were to have my way, I would probably do it uh, consumer, prosumer, pro. Interesting. And I okay. What if? Because you remember when the iMac came out, that was the consumer thing. The little the lowercase i designated consumer. Mm-hmm. And same with the iBook. I feel like. I mean, okay, I, I don't I wouldn't want to bring back iBook, but I like the idea, you know, of like having like the I don't know, maybe you could just do like MacBook Air. Oh man, the naming convention is hard. I we could have planned this out ahead of time and it would have been cleaner, but I feel like, you know, it, I would have a 13-inch ultrabook or maybe even a 12-inch. People keep saying they want the 12-inch MacBook to come back. I would love the 12-inch MacBook to come back, but uh, like a thin and light Ultrabook and then have a decently powerful MacBook and then have a, a beefy, a big boy. Mm-hmm. Now, you could argue that that's pretty similar to what they have right now, but if I – honestly, I would probably dissect those even further. I would have six MacBooks. Six laptops. Six laptops. There would be a small Ultrabook and a larger screened Ultrabook. So like a 15-inch MacBook Air. Okay. And then I would do a 14-inch MacBook Pro and a 16-inch MacBook Pro, but like a lower price 16-inch, like 1999, not as powerful. Okay. And then I would do a 14-inch MacBook Pro that's totally beefed out. And a 16-inch MacBook Pro that's beefed out as well. So you could kind of have, you know, if you're a consumer, because like right now I know a couple of people who really wanted the larger screen and ended up buying a 16-inch MacBook Pro 
when they do not need anywhere near that kind of horsepower, which then also has to be engineered with like the, the fans and the cooling and, you know, more battery, more like you could kind of avoid all of that and just have essentially an M1 in a 16 inch MacBook Pro, super thin. That would be awesome. And then for the desktops, I'd do the same thing. I'd probably have three, three or four. You know, I'd have a Mac Mini, a, uh, a faster Mac Mini type device where it's, you know, bring your own BYOKDM, KY, whatever it is. You keyboard, know, mouse, display. Yeah, that KMD. K- you can K- keyboard, display, I don't know. Yeah, whatever. So that, I would do like a M1 Mac Mini. I'd do a beefy Mac Mini. And then I'd probably do a prosumer Mac Pro somewhere in between the, the current $6,000 one. I'm now realizing that this isn't necessarily the most simple idea, but basically it would just be a sliding scale. You know, I think that would be a good option. And same thing for phones. I would probably want, I feel like, I don't know, Apple has so many phones for sale right now that are all like old design generations. And I get, I get why from a, you know, cost of making them because the tooling is all old and it becomes cheaper to make a device. Like they still sell the 10R, I'm pretty sure, right? Three years on. Yeah. It's really cheap to make a device after you've been making it for three years. So that makes sense. But I would probably do a sliding scale from like 400, 500, 700, 800, 900, 1,000 and scale up screen size and price to match that's probably how i would do it so in that hypothetical scenario would they because that's sort of what apple already has but they're different devices you're saying they would all be the latest gen device like a 400 dollars latest gen device but it would just be much less powerful than the thousand dollar one i mean maybe not less powerful i would just not i don't know i don't like when you sort of mix and match generations that's the biggest thing for me and even if it's like like you know the 10R, what is the 10R now? Like 4.99, and as an A12, A12 is fine. You know, using that is fine. I would just have it updated to use the new design language. It does not make any sense from a business perspective because you absolutely want to not have to spend money on tooling, save the latest and greatest for the expensive. You know, it. I 100% understand why Apple does that, but. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like if 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 the design language was like sort of consistent, I feel like that could be a good look. And like with the colors, I feel mm-hmm. like the colors should be on everything. The the colors for the iMac, specifically the stand cuz the back the really saturated colors on the iMac don't really apply to other things that don't look good, but I think every single one of the 7 iMac colors should be available on the MacBook Air, the AirPods not just the AirPods Max, but the AirPods Max as well. The iPad Air, like uh, the phones should match. I think it should be possible. If you love yellow, you should be able to get a yellow iPhone 12 with a yellow iMac with a yellow MacBook Air with yellow AirPods Max and like totally match the whole thing. I think that would be so sick. Yeah, it would be pretty cool. What about you? What's your take on this question? All right, I... I have I have an interesting idea, but before I say that, I will say I think Apple has a pretty good lineup right now. They have a bunch of different devices that 
uh, that appeal to different people. And, and, and I honestly think that – I don't think that they need a huge overhaul. But, but I will say there are a couple of sort of strange uh, parts or strange uh, – where there's two products that sort of bump, uh, bump up against each other a little bit. So I think those examples – and I was thinking about this a little bit before the podcast, but not too much. The first one is the iPad Air versus the 11-inch iPad Pro. Mm. I think that will fix itself when the 11-inch Pro gets the uh, was it the OLED screen. Yeah, that's true. I did apparently OLED is being explored for. It would be weird to have it on. I guess it would have to be on the 12.9-inch too. Or, or I mean, mini LED. That's well. No, no, no. You're right. You're right. No, the OLED is coming. Okay. Fair. I, I meant at least maybe mini next LED. year or the year after. But okay, so OLED will come eventually. But I think, but mini LED is definitely coming because it's already on the 12.9 inch. It's going to be on the 11 inch, I guess, unless they skipped it to OLED. But regardless, there is going to be a, a screen upgrade. And with the 12.9 inch, there was a price bump as well, right? Yeah, 100 bucks. Yeah. So I feel like, because right now, what's the difference between the Air and the and the 11 inch Pro? It's just the face. 599 ID. for the Air. Seven ninety nine for the Pro. Face With ID. the Pro, you get Face ID. You get point one inch larger display. <laughs> oh. Uh, promotion. Mm. You get the M one versus the A fourteen. True. Which is big difference, but <laughs> not really useful not or necessary. Um, you might get large. You might get better battery life, but I. It's probably too close to call. Yeah. Um. Oh, you get lidar and an ultra wide camera and center stage. All right, so there there are it. there are some decent differences, but I feel like for a for a lot I don't know if that's two hundred bucks though. I don't know for a lot of people the the air would be totally fine. So I don't know. I I think that's one sort of weird area. I think mm-hmm. when the eleven inch gets the the mini LED, um, and you know maybe it gets a price increase with that, I think it'll sort of define that area a little bit better. Uh, another weird area is the MacBook Air versus the 13-inch MacBook Pro. Ooh, and again, I think that's going to fix one. itself when the 13-inch Pro becomes, I guess, the 14-inch and it gets the redesign. No, I think it's going to keep. I think it's going to keep being messed up. Really? Yeah, I, it might even get more messed up. Really? Yeah. So here's. I mean, I haven't made a video on this yet because I'm waiting for a little bit more information. But we've heard about a redesigned MacBook Air which would be M2, new design, totally redesigned, white bezels with all the colors. Right, right. I d- I'm not sure how concrete that is, but I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And honestly, it sounds friggin' awesome. Yeah. Holy, give me that. Oh, that looks so good. <laughs> I, would, I, will, I will buy that, absolutely. J- to be able to buy a blue MacBook literally take my money take it i don't care blank check take it and especially to for an entry level like I'll oh my spray god. paint one for you that's a great idea I and mean, you said blank check so oh god no. honestly we should look into that can can we anodize like a an old macbook or something see if someone could anodize it or like use auto paint or something that'd be funny anyway off topic yeah so apparently the the 13-inch MacBook Pro, and granted, this might be later, is also eventually going to get M2, mm-hmm. and will get the redesign of the same design language as the 14-inch. 
probably a smaller footprint or maybe it would just have a smaller screen and thick, thicker bezels or maybe it would also be a 14 inch macbook pro and just have you know less power in it that's decently like so if you think about there there being two different versions like we've had the the two port 13 inch and the four port 13 inch for a while now basically you could think about it as two 14 inch macbook pros that's where i'm leaning right now where the 1299 model gets you m2 8 gigs 256 no mini led um and probably just two ports and magsafe so not the additional port sd card or hdmi mm -hmm. and then the 1799 model gives gives you m1x 16 gigs 512 mini led extra ports both of those both of those sound pretty decent but you know i gotta take the colorful macbook air over <laughs> either of those yeah absolutely the colors i really wish i really wish that they would I, I say I wish, but, like, they haven't not done this yet. I don't know if they will. But, like, yeah. I, actually, let me say this. I hope that they put some cool colors on the Pro models. I feel like it's easy to go with, like, the space gray. Be like, oh, that's, like, the Pro color. But I want colors. I know. That's the thing is, like, I, I get it. I get the silver and space gray. And I get that, you know, people wanted the iMac to be in space gray. And everyone was like, don't worry. Just wait for the iMac Pro. Mm -hmm. But, like... I like the colors, so I would absolutely buy a 32-inch green iMac. Yeah. With with white bezels, I don't care. I would buy that. I would legitimately do that for a 32-inch white bezel green iMac with this design language. Yeah, I'd do it. I hope it has mini-LED. Could you imagine? That would be pretty cool. But, um, but yeah, okay. So the so second payment that's actually interesting. Yeah. So, so then I, then then I'll say I'll make a change. So if I'm allowed to make changes, all right, uh, to the Apple lineup, I would differentiate the MacBook Air versus the MacBook Pro, 13 inch MacBook Pro, better because I feel like both of them deserve to exist. The Air, yeah. you know, it's for consumers. The Pro is supposed to be for professionals. But right now they both have they're both basically the same. What's the difference? The fan. You get you get like a, you you do get more performance on the Pro. But it's the the difference is the fan. Not quite. You get better. I mean, you get better thermal performance. Yeah. Yeah. And the extra GPU core, but yeah. you do get. I mean, it's less than ten percent, but you get a little bit faster. But like that's, it'll not. It'll knock a minute or two off your Final Cut renders. That's fine, but like if you're saying the Air, the super thin and light consumer laptop versus the MacBook Pro. That professionals and I get like if you're you know professionally you get the 16 inch whatever but like if you're buying a MacBook Pro you know it's a prof it's supposed to be for professionals or at least for prosumers so if the, if it's a 10 percent difference that basically comes down to the fan and, and the extra GPU core and you know the fan makes the performance better whatever but it's not that much of a difference so I would make more of a differentiation and maybe you know maybe M1X will will help with that if the 13 inch MacBook Pro gets that I don't know what the rumors are. But I'm hoping. But regar regardless, they made of that, the MacBook Air too good. Yeah, on, I mean, honestly, that's they made the MacBook Air really good, and they didn't do much to the Pro. They did basically the same thing to the Pro. You could even argue that they're going to get closer when the Pro loses the Touch Bar. Yeah, that's also true. They, at that point, the only they both have Touch ID. N well, actually, you know what's weird though is now. Now that I think about it, I was like, okay, well, the Pro 
Because the Pro has always had a differentiation problem too. Before the Apple Silicon switch, when it was choosing between quad-core Intels, the more expensive one, the 1799 with the four ports, was always just like a bad deal. It was just not worth it. Like the 2020 revision, the, I, was, I was like, absolutely do not spend any money on the, the, the four-port one because it was, it was 10th gen quad-core i5 versus 8th gen quad-core i5. There was like nothing in it. Mm. It's like a 5% difference. 3% in some cases. And the two ports are nice. The extra RAM is nice. But it's not 500 bucks nice. And I feel like... So what I said earlier was like, okay, well, you would get less performance. You'd get less ports. You wouldn't get mini-LED. But we're now hearing that the MacBook Air, this redesigned MacBook Air, will get mini-LED. Hmm. That's... Maybe it'll be an option. Maybe they'll make the MacBook Air more expensive again. Maybe they put it back up at ten ninety nine. But either way, it seems like the entire MacBook lineup could be on mini LED within a year. That would be pretty cool. That'd be pretty cool. But that's just all right. So that's that's my that's my my I guess my main. You know, we talked about the the MacBook Air and the MacBook Pro, or the the iPad Air and the iPad Pro. <laughs> um, the MacBook Air and the MacBook Pro. I think is a little bit of a pain point. It's a little bit of a weird, weird area. So, so I would my change there would be to make the pro. You don't have to make the air worse because you know you compare that to. I used to compare that to like the iPad Pro, right? They both have the M1. I would get a refurb iPad Pro yeah. over the iPad Air, but most people, most people are more like, oh, cool colors. And a warranty, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I feel like just make the make the 13 inch Pro. I, I would if, if I mean this is a hypothetical situation, so I'll say redesign the Pro to be 14 inch. Make it really nice. You can redesign the Air too. Make it you know keep it 13 inch. Make it nice, but just you know open up the gap a little bit between them. And then the last uh, sort of weird area, which is temporary, is all those like more expensive intel models like in the oh iMac yeah get rid the, of those the macbook pro and the mac mini and whatever they're gonna be gone eventually but it's that's just kind of a sort of a weird yeah like i bet you apple hates that they have that right now yeah like those are just like you i get that apple they want to keep the intel option for people that need to buy an intel computer you know work or, or whatever it is but like I don't. They're like they're keeping the ex the more expensive ones, and they're keeping them the same price. Yeah, no, it's it's goofy. Like right now, you can buy an Intel MacBook Pro 13 inch for eighteen hundred bucks. That's like half the speed of the M1 mm -hmm. with half the battery life. It yeah no, it absolutely makes no sense. I do want to note. Someone asked, "What about a MacBook SE?" I mean, oh, it's interesting. I don't know if, I don't know if there's a if there's room for it. Like, okay, radical idea time. Okay. What if, what if, the M1 MacBook Pro as we know it is gone. Imagine that it's disappeared completely. It's no longer in existence. Right? They kill that completely. The 14-inch MacBook Pro is 17.99. There's no other MacBook Pro. Well, the 16. There's no MacBook Pro below it. Mm -hmm. The MacBook Air gets bumped up. M2, really flashy, really cool, ultra-thin design, all the colors. Bump that up to $1,299. MacBook SE, 
same, it, basically just the current MacBook Air with an M2 chip. Interesting. At nine ninety nine. That would be interesting, because then you'd have sort of two consumer options and two pro options in the fourteen inch or the sixteen inch. What if there's just MacBooks, and you can get it in either twelve, fourteen, or sixteen inch, and you can get it with either M two or M two X or you know, whatever the and you can just mix and match. So sort of the Chipotle of, of yeah. Macs. Yes. There we go. Mac Chipotle. Ch Chimac no, 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 no. I don't think you can do we'll it. We'll just go with Mac Chipotle. That's yeah. probably gonna be the name of the episode, isn't it? I guess it could I be. I think it probably will be. So I think that pretty much sums up our discussion. Definitely I had I had rant. one other one other idea that okay. I was going to say, and then and we'll first move of all, on to we'll, our next. Yeah, we'll move on. We'll here. move on in a second here. First of all, I do think it would be really cool to have that level of customization because different things matter to different people. Like I always want to upgrade the storage in my Mac because I, you know, well, I, I was going to say boot camp, which doesn't matter anymore, but uh, yeah. but other things like like different people have different needs. So so if you can upgrade one thing a lot and and. Like, when you upgrade one thing, sometimes it, you have to upgrade other stuff to whatever, you know, more. Like, if you want more than two terabytes, you have to buy Intel right now. Yeah, exactly. So, like, if you want to, so whatever, make it more. I don't think Apple will do that, but it would be would be kind of cool. Could be a little little bit confusing uh, for some of the less techie people, but I don't know. My one, my one idea, which I didn't really flesh out too much, is... Um, one of the big selling points of Apple, one of the reason, reasons why people like Apple so much is because of the ecosystem, right? Yeah. All the products work seamlessly together. I almost wonder what it would look like. Maybe this would be more of like a marketing or, or like a marketing kind of thing. But if Apple, because like right now they have like these individual, you know, they have the Macs and the iPads and the iPhones. What if they had like the Apple consumer ecosystem and like the Apple pro ecosystem and they sort of, I, I haven't really thought it through, but just sort of like, shift the the perspective instead of like individual products to being sort of like these two or maybe even a prosumer ecosystem like a couple different ecosystems i don't know what that would look like that's an interesting idea yeah i, I don't, don't know, know what that would look like i have to acknowledge someone someone said in the chat here that they're here for the only fans launch i i know it's been it's been a busy month and a month and a bit since since I basically ended up having to do that, and I regret that it's taken this long, but it won't be much longer. If you're watching now, 135 people right now, there will be OnlyFans this week. Ooh. Don't get that excited. It's going to be terrible. Oh, but I am doing it. stuff on there. Not really. There is one spicy thing on I there. I guess a little bit. You're really. I feel like that's hyping it up more than I want it to be. All I right, just want right, this to right. go completely under the rug. See, this is this is better. Someone, what is OnlyFans? That's the attitude that I want people to have. <laughs> I want them to not click on it. Yeah. But either way, yeah. So that that will be here this week. If you're listening to the podcast a little later in the week, it'll yeah, it'll it'll be up. I'll post about it once. Ugh. Anyway, so our next question comes in from Sam. When do you think that everything will no longer require passwords or pins? So I think he's referring to like biometric or authentication. Like when is the password defunct? 
Hopefully soon, because I don't like remembering them. Yeah, passwords are not the best system because a lot of – they're easy to forget. They're easy to reuse, which is a terrible idea because once someone figures out your, your password, uh, if it works on multiple websites, they can – uh, they can log in to multiple websites. So there's there's a lot of problems with passwords, and there's uh, there are some cool solutions. There's um, first there's like the two factor stuff, right? So if you it still keeps the password system, but it makes sure um, there's there's another layer of security. There's this like um, concept in uh, in security. It's like the the there's like three things. I forget what it's called, but it's um it's it's uh, something you know something you have and something you are those are sort of like the three types of security so like something you know is a password something you have would be like a security key and something you are is you know like biometrics kind of stuff and so this the idea is the second two-factor authentication is you have two of those factors so like a password and and uh and a uh, security key or a password and um and like a text uh code or something like that so that's sort of where we are now in a lot of cases but when can we actually get rid of the passwords that's the interesting question i mean i think there's a number of interesting ways that it can be done i mean one of them is actually Streamyard. Streamyard doesn't have passwords really yeah you authenticate through your login like you know you sign up with whatever account mm. and then that account is where you know every time you log in you get your code like a steam like a Steam Guard code, basically. Mm -hmm. And you just use that. So it's different every time, and there's no password to get in. That, I think, is honestly a pretty effective means. When, when um, Anything that uses email, either two-factor through email, where you, know, you log in on a new device, and then it sends you an email to confirm it, or anything like that, as long as you are secure with your email, I think that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. Now, e- granted, it does require that you have a secure email, but of course, I'm a YouTuber, so I, you know, make sure that things are top, tip top, because my email is public for brands to access. So, whatever, whatever that email is used for, I make sure it's secure. And I do get a lot of emails from people trying to log in to things, like especially Instagram for some reason. A lot of people try to log into my Instagram. Interesting. And like do the reset password and then I get an email where it's like, looks like you're trying to sign into Instagram. And I'm like, I'm not. <laughs> but that's why it's so nice when, when email is used as, you know, an extra means of protection. Any site that lets you just put your password in and get right into all of whatever data they've got on you is a little sketchy, in my opinion. Yeah, that's true. And that's interesting. You talk about, like, the, the sign-in. So you sign in with, like, your Google account, I guess, to StreamYard? Yeah. Yeah, so those those kind of tools, like signing in with a third party, those are good. There's there's some uh, debate around, like, the, the privacy aspects, which is, like, part of the sign-in with Apple thing. I like sign-in with Apple. I really like sign-in with so Apple. Good. But those things, right, if you can limit the number – I don't know if we can ever – I don't know if we can ever fully get rid of passwords. I feel like they're always going to be at least a backup. But yeah. if you can have a couple, like if you can have your your Google account have a secure password and you use that to sign in, or your Apple ID and use that with sign in with Apple, I feel like that's pretty good. And it's also not only do you have fewer passwords, but there are fewer websites that 
can be targeted to get your information. Like if some other website, like obviously, you know, Google, Apple, whatever, they have really top-notch security. Other websites may not. And, you know, if your password True. gets leaked there, that could be, you know, it could be more likely for that to happen. So. Yeah, I mean, and I get the notifications from Apple every once in a while. Right. It's like this account is compromised, and I'm like, I don't even know what that is. I don't really care. <laughs> like, I haven't used that in 48 years. <laughs> Literally, 48 years. It's crazy. Wow. Yeah, I know. I'm sort of transcending the boundaries of space and time and the internet, as it were. <laughs> but, I mean, honestly, I don't know that you could ever get rid of passwords, but I don't think a password is ever sufficient on its own. Right. For any account that's worth its salt – the password itself shouldn't be the only way to get in, in my opinion. I think that if you're if you're logging in, I think the the assumption, if I'm a website, should always be that someone could very easily find this password. Mm -hmm. It's it's harder for someone to get your phone number, get your trusted device like Google does. Right. Like I've set it up with the Google 2FA, which, by the way, everyone should do this for your Google account. Set the trusted device for the 2FA. Don't use your phone number. Uh, a couple of YouTubers got hacked because they used their phone numbers with Google. And I, I guess someone figured out how to spoof the, the, the phone numbers and get the code redirected or something. I don't know how they did it. But they were able to get into a couple of people. Like John Prosser, remember Front Page yeah. Tech got taken down? That was what happened to him, I'm pretty sure. But I use the trusted device stuff. They probably tried. If they were if they were going after tech YouTubers, they probably tried. But if you use that, it's it's a lot more secure. And like I've even had it I actually can't access YouTube Studio on my iPad because They've started doing this thing where when you go into the analytics, let's see if it'll do it now. When you go into the channel analytics, I don't know what the criteria is to start this, but, and wow, our internet is so slow, it's not even loading. <laughs> Gigabit ethernet, in internet, and it's not even loading. <laughs> but it, it pops up a dialogue, verify that it's you, even if you're signed in. Interesting. And it redirects you to... Um, the trusted device confirmation dialogue. The problem is on the iPad, it's broken because of stupid iPad OS and the way that it oh. redirects into like that, like, you know, that temporary Safari little pop-up thing mm -hmm. shows up here and it like breaks and it, it never, it, and you can never like complete it. Although somewhat alarmingly, it's not asking for it now, even though I never actually did it, did the verification, but I'm able to look at my analytics anyway. I think that's a good idea. That is interesting. GitHub actually does something similar when you change, if you like try to delete a repository or make it public or private, which are like destructive. They have like a section of like destructive operations. And whenever you want to do one of those, it makes you authenticate again, even though you're already logged in to make sure that, you know, if you leave your computer, uh, you know, open, like, cause you log into these websites and you stay logged in. So then your computer also becomes, and you know, obviously you have a password on the computer, you have touch ID, whatever. Um, but the computer can be a liability as well because if someone, if I grabbed Luke's iPad right now, I could probably find, you know, access quite a few of his accounts. Yeah, I mean, y I'm trying to think of which accounts 
I mean, bank accounts usually make you log in every time if they're worth their salt. Yeah. They should. Um, some of them are Face ID, but you can also put in a password. So I guess... But, like, if you're in, you know, in your scenario where you basically just swipe my device while I'm using it at a coffee shop or something. Right. Yeah. You could definitely... The stay signed in is great, but, yeah, the physical device becomes a liability because if someone grabs it... Like, if you grabbed my computer and ran, you could fully delete my YouTube channel. It just gone. Yeah. You could delete my entire career if you stole my iPad. If someone broke in... I don't want to give anyone ideas, but like you, you get the idea. Like it's, ah, it's kind of crazy how much we depend on it. And basically we're, we're depending on an assumption that nothing goes wrong. And that's basically how we all live our lives. And then everyone, once in a while it does. I think back, I mean, even, but back before I, my dad got his, his identity was stolen in like 2008. I think it was I, – I think his was stolen over the internet because in 2008 things – you know, encryption wasn't good. Security wasn't very good. And it was like the whole deal, the whole like 75 grand in loans oh. and mortgage and like multiple credit cards. It was a nightmare in 2008, right, the, f- the financial meltdown. Great time to have your identity, identity stolen, right? Yeah. So I, I bet you that was super fun, super fun for him. But, you know, when it does go wrong, I feel like I feel like the amount that we put on, you know, the, the amount of trust that we put on passwords, the amount of, I mean, almost everyone uses repeat passwords or, you know, you get Domino or they get one, they get them all. Or you can use it to get into whatever you manage your passwords and find out all the other ones anyway. Right. And I feel like it's 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 if if it does go wrong, it goes really really wrong. Yeah. Because so you can do a lot. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, so it's an interesting question. How do you deal? You know, passwords are easy. You can you can encrypt the password. You can salt them and hash them. Stick them in a database. Use the same password everywhere. That's sort of the easy solution. Yeah. Can you make a more complicated solution? Can you? Most devices these days, or a lot of devices these days, have biometrics, biometric sensors. There's, you know, Touch ID, Face ID, Windows Hello, etc. Yeah, they're all varying degrees of security. But I wonder if, you know, maybe that could become more of a standard. But then you have all these different devices. You have to register every single device that you use with every single account that you use because you know they're different sensors, they're different devices. It's an interesting question, but. Uh, we're making two two factors a step in the right direction. Um, passwords will hopefully become sort of the backup or the emergency instead of yeah. the standard in the future. I don't know about getting rid of them, but de-emphasizing, absolutely. Yeah. This has been Dark Mode, the podcast that you've just listened to. Yeah. I couldn't think of a, a really smooth way to transition out of that and into us asking you guys to send us your emails, anything you want us to talk about, questions, advice that you're seeking. We love to hear it. We love to hang out with you guys. We'll be back in a week. I don't I don't think there's any unforeseen national holidays or trips that we've forgotten about, right? So we should be here in a week. 
I don't think we've forgotten about any unforeseen events. You know what I mean. Yes. I've been your host, Luke Miani. And I've been your host, Noah Rubin. Have a good night.